good evening. I told him I'd have hated to see what I'd have got if I hadn't bought his lunch. I'm just grateful I bought his lunch because I don't know what it would have been. <laughs> We'd all have been in trouble because I told him, I said, man, I'm the last person about politics. I don't watch the news, okay? I don't know what's going on, I, but I, you know what? I keep up. You know how I keep up? Just listening to everybody else. They keep me informed, so therefore I don't have to waste my time watching all that stuff. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here. It's always a joy to come here to Highland Heights and to see folks. Uh, some of you, about the only time I get to see you is when I'm privileged to come here and speak, and I always pre appreciate the invitation. I appreciate the opportunity uh, because of being brothers and sisters in Christ. What a blessing uh, that is indeed. Uh, if you want to open your Bibles, we'll be uh, talking from, from Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Someone was asking me a while ago, how's it been? Has it been a busy day? Yeah, I met someone at the church building at 7.30. I spoke in uh, Nashville at 3.15 and fought the traffic to get here by 6.30. And so it's been a busy day, but it's been a great day because I've been with brethren and with, uh, from various locations, so I'm grateful uh, for that. So... Uh, you know, I'm sure that all of us have either heard or some of us have made the statement uh, something like this. There's three things that you do not talk about in life. What are they? Number one, politics. <laughs> number two, religion. And number three, money. Right? Because those are sensitive, sensitive topics, especially when we start talking about money. I remember a few years ago, well, several years ago, I'd preached on uh, contribution, on giving, on money one Sunday morning. And, you know, I was probably two-thirds of my lesson through, and I saw one of the guys who I knew very well. We were pretty good buddies. I saw him get up and leave. It entered my mind. Again, if I would have been a betting man, I would have bet. He got up and left because he didn't like me preaching about money, about giving. So, you know, I just, before I called him to make sure he wasn't sick, I went back over and checked my records to make sure how long it had been since I'd preached on giving. And uh, so I was ready. I was armed. And uh, so I called him later on that evening or maybe the next night. said, hey, I just saw you got up and leave. I'll just make sure you're not sick. Make sure that you're okay. Make sure you didn't get a phone call. Something's wrong with the wife. Something's wrong with the family. Anything like that. He goes, no. He said, you know, that's all you do is preach about giving. And I said, and you're out of your mind. He said, what? I said, you're out of your mind. That's not what all I'll preach about. I said, in fact, I figured out what you said about why you left. So I just went back and looked. You know what? It's been 22 months since I preached on giving. So you're telling me every two months that that's all you preach about. He said, well, I thought it had been sooner than that. And I said, you know, you're not equipped to think. Don't be trying to do that. No, I'm telling you, we're good friends, okay? And uh, I know him pretty well. And uh, I said, don't be trying to do that. You shouldn't be thinking about that. And I said, but you know what? You kind of fit into that category I've always read about. And he said, what's that? That the most sensitive nerve in the human body is the one that goes from the brain to the pocketbook. Okay? So you just don't preach about giving, they said. So three topics. And guess what? FH has given us one of those three topics tonight about politics. Now, in an all serious matter, they are sensitive topics. They really are. Uh, because everybody's got an opinion about it. Those opinions have a variety of ideas and thoughts. And a lot of times they are emotionally charged. 
many times they're polarizing. They'll cause differences between people, and people get upset with one another, even, even in families. You start talking about politics with a lot of folks, they're very sensitive, they're emotionally charged, and, and they will polarize. They'll get upset with one another. But one of the things that I have noticed that's kind of funny that if you look at people and you listen to people that they are having discussions about, about politics, we rarely leave a political discussion happy. Even if you agree. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You very seldom leave because here you are, you're in the foyer, you're outside in the parking lot, you're at the grocery store, wherever, and you enter into a discussion with somebody and you are in agreement about, about this topic, about this, to, uh, this subject of politics. But your blood pressure's up, you know, and you're kindly, you're kindly stressed out, and you're not really happy, even though you've agreed, and you, because what's happened now is that you're in agreement with things, and now you're upset because things are not what they ought to be. So you can't hardly win when you start talking about because it's such a sensitive, sensitive subject. So with that in mind, let's go to Romans chapter 13. Because here the Apostle Paul begins to explain some things about civil authority. And he talks about this civil authority, and he talks about this one thing. It's established by God. Listen, folks, the government is not man's idea. It's God's. So look at verse 1 and 2. Every person, so that means you, you can write your name right there, just like I can. Wayne, whatever your name is, every person is to be in subjection. That's a tough word for today. In our society, that's a very difficult word to be in subjection for a lot of people. Authority. So he says, be in subjection to the governing authority. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Verse 2, therefore, since that's the case, whoever resists the authority that has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read verse 1 and 2, it's a little bit challenging. Because, first of all, I want you to notice something here. There's three phrases that we need to make note of. In two verses, the Apostle Paul, by the direction of the Holy Spirit, says, from God, by God, and of God. Which indicates the ideal of a government are from God. In other words, they are ordained by Him. And being ordained by Him, then He says, we are to make ourselves subject to them. Because they're from God. It is by Him that He's ordained that. Now, before we go too far, just realize, in no way, shape, form, or fashion, in no way does this mean that every governmental decree, every governmental decision comes from God or is pleasing to God. He is simply saying they are ordained by God. Okay? Not that it will be everything that you want to go. So we can disagree on the kind of government that is best. What are the principles that ought to be established? How much government do we need? How little do we need? They shouldn't have their hands in that. They should remove their hands from this. We can all agree, do that, but here's one thing we have to agree on. And what we agree on, according to the Word of God by the Apostle Paul, is the principle, the principle of authority and government is God-ordained. 
It's God-ordained. It's not that a bunch of guys got together and said, hey, you know what, I think we ought to do something like government. God has ordained that. And I want us to understand that. Now, it doesn't mean God approves of everything that is done. He says, this idea, this government, governmental, then that's my ideal. I ordained that. I set that up because everybody has to have that. Now, when he says be in subjection, understand, Romans was written 57, 58 AD. Persecution was strong. Christians were having real serious struggles in a world, in, a, in the Roman world, the government. And what did Paul say? Be in subjection. Now, with that principle established, I want to make three observations about Christians and politics. Number one, here's my first thought and suggestion to you. Brethren, we must keep politics in its proper place. What do we mean by that? Well, when you look at verse 4, he says it is a minister of God. Government is. Now, it's been established for good. You go, oh, well, man, we've blown that. He didn't say it had been blown. He said that was the reason for it. He said it's been established as a minister for good, but if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. Verse 5, therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. So we're saying, okay, we keep it in the proper place. Let's identify the place. On one occasion, you will remember, the enemies of Jesus came to him. And the enemies of Jesus came to him and asked him a question. Hey, just want to know something. What is it? Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar, to Caesar or not? Now, you understand... In Luke chapter 20, verse 22 there, that question was asked, trying and intending to trap Jesus. In other words, they thought they had him. If he answered this, then they would say that. If they said this, then we got him. We've got him. We've got a trap set, and all we're waiting to do is for him to put his foot in it, and it'll clamp on him. We've got him. So tell us, which one? Jesus a lot smarter than they are. He said, oh, okay, verse 25. You ask a question, let me give you an answer. You render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And oh, yeah, and you render to God the things that are God. Hmm, trap just closed and he's not in it. They thought they got him. So what did Jesus, what's the principle there? We keep it in, a place, in its proper place forever because politics are a distinct part of one kingdom, the kingdom of the world in which you and I live. And that's what Jesus said. You give to the Caesar things of Caesar's. That's, that's a politic. You do that. But the things that are God, you do that. You remember when he was questioned then by, by Pilate? And he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Politics are of this world. And when we remember that and keep it in its proper place, I think it will help us to maybe not to have so much polarization and to be so emotionally charged about that. You know, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, you remember? The apostle Peter writes 
that the followers of Jesus, we're aliens and we're strangers and we're sojourners and we're pilgrims in this world. Folks, he didn't talk about if you're a Democrat or if you're a Republican, if you're an independent or what. He says every one of us are on a journey. And on that journey, you're a pilgrim. You're a sojourner. You're here temporarily in this world. And so he has nothing to say about a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or whatever you want to call. He says every one of us are aliens and strangers. That's what we are. And you live in this world because we're all passing through this journey. And when you look in the Word of God, it reminds us that we're not dwellers, we're travelers. And a lot of times we get that confused and we act like we're dwellers. We're not. We're, we're sojourners. We're travelers. We're on this journey that has a destination of a place God has prepared for us as His children. So therefore, when we keep it in its proper place, you remember Jesus was arrested in the garden? Matthew chapter 26. You remember what the apostle Peter does? Whips out a sword. Got an ear, I don't think, personally, opinion. I don't think the ear is what he was trying to get. I just don't think he was a real good swordsman. But he got an ear. And we later find out his name was Malchus. What did Peter, or what did Jesus do? Peter, stop. Why in the world did you see what they're trying to do to you? I'm defending you, man. What do you mean tell me stop? Nobody else here had the courage to do what I did. He said, Peter, no, 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 no. My kingdom is not of this world. Peter, my kingdom is not about cutting off fears. It's about healing the ear of an enemy. Because what did Jesus do? Miraculously sewed it back on. Healed him. Peter, my kingdoms are not of this world. Matthew 25, or chapter 25, rather, verse 25. Chapter 20, verse 25 through 27. Jesus had just told his disciples, his apostles about, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be crucified. So what's this, what the apostles start to do? I'll tell you one thing. If he's not going to be here, somebody's got to be in charge. Somebody's got to take over his authority here. I mean, if, if our leader is going to be crucified, then, then who's going to lead this group? So, you know, they're going back, and you remember what happened? They started discussing, arguing among themselves. Well, I ought to be able to do it. You know, I'm older than you, and I've got, you know, I'm a little better skilled with people than you. People come here for, I don't know what all they said to each other. All I do know is they were arguing one with the other who's going to be in charge. And Jesus took that moment here are the apostles arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus, the master teacher. The master teacher used that as a golden opportunity to remind them and to distinguish the kingdom of this world is different from the kingdom of his spiritual world. So folks, when we remember about politics that it has a proper place, it's of this world. It's all. It's not about the eternal kingdom. It's about this temporary dwelling place. 
Now, I'm not saying that you should never have zeal or interest in politics. I'm not saying that if you do, you follow it, you read it. I've got really close friends. They read it, they follow it, they study it, and they'll say to me something about, hey, did you see so-and-so? And I said, you know I didn't see it. You know I didn't see it. Don't ask me that. Because I don't watch it. And they said, but they watch it all, every day. They keep up with what's happening in the world. Did you read today? No. Did you see today? No. But I know about it now because what I told you a while ago, the members are my news. They keep me informed. And if they don't tell me, they're talking about it on themselves, so I hear it. So I'm not saying you shouldn't have a, a concern about it. I shouldn't say, by no way am I saying you should not care about our county, about our state, about our country. Sure you should. In no way am I even thinking about, well, should we vote? Absolutely. You have that privilege. You have that right. And by all means, well, what should we do? Should we pray for our country? Without doubt, folks, without doubt. You ought to be praying for our country. You ought to be praying for the world. You ought to be praying for those who are leaders. Well, I don't agree with them. That's not what we talked about. It's not just when you agree with them. At the end of the day, we keep politics in its proper place because, brethren, politics is simply part of the kingdom of this world thing in which we're traveling through. That's it. Keep it in its proper place. Now, number two, verse six and seven. Because of this, you also pay taxes. Oh, don't you love that? <laughs> you pay taxes. Rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Now, watch verse seven. Render. To all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Second principle I see is, brethren, when I read that, we must not divide over our differences politically. You keep it in a proper place, you won't be polarizing people. You keep it in its proper place, you won't be so emotionally charged that you get mad and you make others mad. Because it's just about this world. It's not about eternal. It's temporary. And therefore, if that's, since that's the case, we don't divide over those differences. See, my response, according to the Word of God, to the authorities over us, Paul used words like, did you read it? Submit, render, pay taxes, respect, honor. In 1 Timothy 2, Paul specifically says, pray for your rulers. What if we disagree with them? Well, what about they're making decisions and, and putting things into law that's just not morally correct? and is not biblically based, and is not ethically right. And you want me to pray for them? By all means. They really need it if they're doing that, when they do that. Okay? So what I want you to see here is God doesn't carve out an exception. Now, you pray for them, and you submit, and you render to them when you agree. When would that be? Never! Likely, right? 
So he didn't carve out something for Christians and say, oh no, you don't have to render, you don't have to submit, you don't have to obey, you don't have to subject yourself. He didn't say that. He says, here's what you are to do. Remember, he's writing to Christians in Romans chapter 13. And what I want us to realize is if we're not cautious, brethren, without realizing it, we damage the very message of Jesus Christ. The message of love and hope over things and dividing of things like politics. Temporary over things that are eternal in nature. So therefore, we are not going to divide over our differences of opinions in politics. And I want you to remember this. The thing about Jesus, folks, and the 12 apostles, is when you look at the people that he called to follow him, what was he, what was he doing? He wanted them to do what? Take the gospel to the known world. Am I right? He said, I'm not going to be here. The Holy Spirit is going to come. He will lead you. He will guide you into all truth, right? And so Paul said in Colossians 1, verse 23, 30 years later, the gospel has been taken to the known world. What did Jesus say, tell them to do? I appointed these apostles. I, I want you to take, and I'm charging you to take the gospel to the world. That's a pretty serious task. Now, have you thought about those 12 apostles? See, we know about Peter and Andrew, James and John, fishermen, brothers, business partners perhaps. How much attention do we give to Matthew and Simon the Zealot? If you want something that'll challenge you, let's think about those two guys. You want to talk about radical, radical differences of opinion and lifestyles. Matthew, a tax collector. And Simon, the zealot. Now, if you remember anything about the, the zealots, they were violently wanted to revolt if it means violence, we'll be violent. If we want to overthrow the Roman government, that's what they were. That's what they were about. We don't like them. We don't respect them. We don't want them. We don't want to submit ourselves to them. And if we have to use violence to overthrow them, we'll overthrow them. That's one of the apostles. Oh, wait a minute, over here, Matthew. You know what Matthew did? He didn't just collect the taxes like the government down here for the city taxes, where you mail in your check, or for the county, those of you that are not in the city. It's not like you just pay your taxes because you got a piece of property. Matthew was a tax collector. It was a set-up system that just had a lot of evil involved in it. But you know what he collected taxes for? Who he collected them for? The Roman government. So he would collect the taxes. If he was going to pay the Roman government 12, he might have collect 20. Legally. So look at this. You have one guy over here who says, I want to do everything we can to overthrow that Roman government. Another guy over here said, oh, you need to pay your taxes. You know, man, we got to pay the government. We got to pay the government over here. So you have this guy on this side, you have this guy on this side, and what did Jesus do? He called them both. 
to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Now, you want to tell me that we can't get along because we have some political differences? Come on. I don't know if we can fully understand, folks. It's much different than a, being a Democrat or Republican. When you look at these two men, Jesus, the Son of the living God, called to take his message to people that are lost and traveling on a broad way to destruction. And he says, you two guys, I want you to take the gospel. You see his precious message? I want you to share it. I want you to tell people about it. It is hard for us to capture the extreme differences of opinions of these two followers, Matthew and Simon the Zealot. It would be like, maybe this would be close. It'd be like for us tonight to take the most patriotic, patriotic person you know. We have a fellow at church, man, he is so patriotic, I'm telling you. I just love that guy. He loves our country. But you take him and you take someone who wanted to support communism and say, I'm going to tell you what, I want you guys to teach a Bible class together on religion. Chances are you don't have a fight. <laughs> Why? Radical difference of understanding. Radical difference of opinion. And yet Jesus brought these two fellows together and not only, not only did it not divide them, not one time in the scriptures of three years of being with them do we ever see Jesus taking a side, weighing in on one side or the other or correcting one or the other. Why? Because they weren't going to divide over their differences. They had a mission. They had a purpose. And brethren, the Bible is clear. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, Ephesians chapter 6. Our enemy is not a Democrat. Our enemy is not a Republican. Our enemy is not the government. Our enemy is not the independent. Folks, Satan is still our enemy. And if we're not very, very cautious and careful, what we do, we make like... We will make people feel like that if they're not in our party, then they're our enemy. And I'm saying to you, when I look in the Word of God, Jesus says, don't divide over differences. There's a principle here that's much greater than that. Because the enemy is Satan, and therefore we're not going to divide over it. And there's a major reason for that, which is the third observation. Brethren, we must put people over politics. We put people over politics. When you look at Romans 13, look at 8, verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment summed up in this saying, you know what y'all do? You should love your neighbors yourself. Verse 10, love, oh, it does no wrong. It does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. If you're not careful, you read verse 8, and you think, oh, 
Look at what the Apostle Paul has done. He shifted. <laughs> He's changed topics. He's gone from, from changing gears about the government to handling their debts. Owe no one anything. Now, well, I've owed people in the past, have you? I still owe people. I'm still driving a car. They let me drive it because I still pay for it. I still make a payment every Debbie does. She still makes a payment every month. I know she does because we still have it. Or at least we had it this morning when I left. And she hadn't called me and told me anybody picked it up, so I'm assuming it's still there. Don't make that mistake. He's not shifting gears. The Apostle Paul, the inspiration, is actually talking about our debt to love one another. Not about your financial debt. Not if you own a car, you own your house, you own your boat, whatever. No. He's talking about a debt of love. How do I know that? Well, the Bible is very clear there, verse 9 and 10. Because it says, love your neighbor as yourself. What's the second command Jesus said? Remember the lawyer came to trap him? Hey, why don't you tell me there, since you know it all, what's the greatest commandment? Oh, love the Lord thy God, all the heart, soul, strength, and mind. <laughs> oh, and Jesus said, and I, I know you didn't ask this, but a little, little extra there. You ought to love your neighbor as yourself, too. That's the second greatest commandment. What's Paul say here? Love your neighbor as yourself. Where did he get that idea? Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that is not the essence of this world. That's not the essence of this world. It's the essence of the kingdom of God. But in this physical world in which we live, that's not the essence. Having the majority of the people try to treat one another, right? Our world will say you do unto others before they do unto you. If they mistreat you, you ought to mistreat them back. If they hurt you, you ought to hurt them back. That's the essence of this world that you and I live in. But the kingdom of God, that's not the essence. The kingdom of God, the essence of the kingdom of God is you love your neighbors. And see, that didn't come from a preacher. That came from the master himself, the savior of the world. And Paul says, here's a debt that we have to one another. What is that debt, Paul? Love. And when you have that type of love for one another, you won't not divide over differences. You know why? Because people are more important than politics. I don't care how strong you feel about politics. I'm telling you, people are more important than your political stand. That's what Paul says. He's talking about government, and he says, and by the way, folks, followers of Jesus, you're not going to undermine another individual's worth if you're going to be like Christ. You're not going to question their dignity because they're creating the image of God just like you are. Jesus died for them just like he did for you. He washed away their sins just like he washed away your sins in obedience to his will. So therefore, Christians, because of that love one for the other, we're not going to disrespect and tear down an individual's worth or dignity over something like politics. We're, going to, we're not going to mistreat one another over that. Why? Because that's of this world. We're part of another world. Remember what Jesus said in John 13? My guess is most every one of us in here have read it. Some of us have memorized it, and you've heard sermons on it. How's people going to know that we belong to him? Because we've got a flashing sign out here? When you have love one for another, 
You read it, John 13, 34, and 35. By this, by this love one for another, like I've loved you, people would know that you belong to me. You can have flashing signs. You can have all kind of digital signs that we want to put up. Flashing signs and say, oh, that must be the real church right there. You come in here and you mistreat them. They're going to say, that sign doesn't, mm -mm, that's not real. It's not real. See, Jesus says people are more important than politics. The way the world would know that we are disciples of Christ is by the quality. Don't miss that word by the quality of our love, one for the other. How deep it is. The depth of that love. And then, he says, people know you're my disciple because that world, that light of Christ begins to shine brightly in the world of darkness. And through that love, when people come into our worship assemblies, when people come in to visit and to be a part of our, our worship, and they observe people, they got diverse opinions, they got diverse color of skin, they got diverse skill sets, and yet there's harmony and there's unity and there's care and there's kindness and there's love. That is appealing. Now, the flip side of that coin is also true. The flip side of that coin is we can hinder, we can harm the message and the mission of the church by attacking others and stirring the pot of division with social media posts and messages that don't show love. If you put something out there, folks, listen to me. If you're putting stuff out there on the social media that is not demonstrating compassion and love of Christ and brings a mark on the church, stop. Don't harm the body of Christ because of a feeling you have about politics. Because, brethren, the church of my Lord is more important than your politics. Would somebody please say amen? And people, I'm not, I'm not on social media. You know why? I don't have to be. Because the members tell me. I'm not on Facebook or Twitter. I have a friend who's got a dog named Twitter. That's the closest I got. True statement. I don't have all these other things, but I hear about them. I hear, you won't believe what so-and-so posted. And you know, like a tofu. You know, I care about folks. I care about people. I don't care what you had for breakfast. And people say, did you see where so-and-so ate last night? Well, I don't really care. Well, they had a picture of their foot. So what? I got more important things to do, folks, than to see what you ate at dinner last night at a restaurant. I just don't care. I love you, but I don't care what you eat. Be cautious. Be cautious that you don't put politics over people. Because the Word of God says people are more important than politics because you owe a debt of love to one another. That's what the Word of God says. What time is this class over?
Huh? Two hours? Oh, two minutes? Come on, if you give me a crazy topic and then give me two minutes. All right. Children of God, we rise above. We rise above the chaos and the distortion of the world. Please understand, brethren, I, I don't, I'm not saying we don't have opinions. I'm not saying we don't get involved. I'm not saying you don't run for office if you want to. That's fine. I'm not saying you don't support someone if, you, if they want to. You can still yell at the television when a, when a, you know, a, a debate is held or when an advertisement, a campaign ad is there. But I'm just saying we're citizens of a different kingdom. And it's not of this world. So therefore, politics, people are more important than politics. Folks, remember this. Jesus didn't die for politics. Jesus died for people to be saved. I'm going to read you a statement. Political parties, please listen. Political parties are likely in the course of time and things to become potent or powerful engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be able to subvert the power of the people and to usurp or to seize or to take control for themselves the reins of government. George Washington. So it's nothing new. It may be worse as you see it, but understand, George Washington said that. It can happen, and it like, he said, they are likely, political parties are likely, likely in the course of time and things. I wonder what he would say today. I told you. <laughs> I told you that it could happen. So here's the thing. Reality is, Governments are flawed. They are. The government is divided politically, and political parties are part of this world, which is only our temporary home. And to believe in political perfection or a, perf a perfected society, folks, is a counterfeit hope. That's not real. It's counterfeit. The only real will be when we get home to heaven. This is not home. It's just temporary. We're just here for a little while. And the hope of this world, the hope of this world has never, has never been and will never be politics. The only hope we have in this world, folks, is Jesus. Is Jesus the Christ. And the Christian life hinges on our love for God on the inside and how we treat others on the outside. May God bless us as we strive to be the people God called us to be as shining lights in a world of darkness.